you in a are you in Alberta right now? Yeah, I am. Yeah, Got big big Oilers game tonight against the Colorado Avalanche Western Conference Finals. So lots of excitement here in uh, in Alberta. So is it hard for you to? Uh be around all the predators energy when you're down in music city. Cause they, they got a pretty good little hold on that city and those games are pretty exciting, but you take a lot of slack from some of your friends down there. I, I definitely take a lot of slack cause I, I am very invested into, uh, in the Nashville predators. Like I, I love the organization. I love going to games. We've had season tickets for years. And one of my best friends is, uh, his name is Brett Wilson and Brett, uh, is one of the owners of the Nashville predators. So, because of that, I mean, the access to the team and, and some of the real special events that happen in the city, uh, it's it's hard to find, and people in Alberta won't believe this, but it's hard to find a more invested hockey city than the the Nashville Predators organization in, in the city of Nashville. It's, it's amazing. Um, tell me what it is about... I'm from Nevada, and we've had a team in Vegas for a couple of years now. I remember back in the day when San Jose Sharks came out to the West Coast. We had the Kings out in L.A. with the, the great Wayne Gretzky, who obviously you know, is probably the greatest of all time. In my limited NHL hockey knowledge. Oh, no, you're, you're absolutely right. He is the greatest of all time. He dominated I, – I would, I would even argue that Wayne Gretzky dominated his sport arguably even more than any of the other greats dominated their sport – even um, more so than Jordan, huh? Oh, absolutely. In terms of uh, in terms of uh, points and everything that he's done, absolutely. And the reason why is because if you take away all of Wayne Gretzky's goals, just take all all almost nine hundred goals away, you take all of them away, he still has more points in just assists than second place. Wow, that's a freaking unreal stat right there. He has almost a thousand, one thousand more points than second place. What what I know that this is I know that your your main living is a is a musician, but as music as musicians and artists, you have to find inspiration in almost every walk of life. And I think that, you know, your admiration and respect and, and for the the game of hockey we're going to get into some other things because now I'm starting to see a little bit more of who you are from behind you on your uh, in the room you're sitting in, which I love. But um, when you start when you start thinking about the game, okay, as a whole, like I'm a huge baseball fan, and I've always yeah. and I played college baseball. I love going to baseball games. A lot of people are like, it's so boring. I just love I, I love the approach. I love, I love the strategy, right? But there is something to be said about a hockey game and I was in Nashville last month and I went to a Preds game right before the playoffs started I don't even remember who they're playing but there was like nine fights in the first 10 minutes now fighting is part of the game I get it but what I really my seats were so close to the ice what I really finally realized is how athletic these cats truly are to skate as fast and as hard as they are to to be able to man and just see the puck coming at them in a pass to get their stick ready for to to try to transition to another pass or an assist or to shoot shoot it to the goal they truly are some of the greatest athletes in professional sports now that i've been able to spend time at an actual live arena like i've been able to do with the predators over the last two years yeah it's it's so similar my business in music and those who are coming up through the ranks in in sport whether it be baseball basketball football or hockey 
But being that I'm a Canadian and I love hockey so much, of course, I'm passionate about the sport and very invested into the sport. So for me, there's a lot of things that hockey um, has in their, in their league and in their sport that are unlike anything else in professional sports in terms of how you grind and the wear and tear on your true body. Don't get me wrong. It's extremely grueling to do a 160-some game uh, season in the MLB. And there are some guys out there that will play majority of, of those games. However, when you're going as hard as you are in hockey for 82 games, plus then possibly 28 more games in the playoffs, and you have to win four rounds of seven games and that travel back and forth, for example, it's not just down the road. I mean, our travel schedule is crazy. If we make it to the Stanley Cup final, say against Tampa, you've got Alberta up in the northwestern part of North America, down to the southeastern part. That's got an eight-hour flight, and you're going to do that every day for a different game. So it's unbelievable what these athletes go through, which is why when people tell me, hey, Brett, you are such a hard worker, I tell them, I'm like, no, I'm really not. I work very hard at my craft, but if you watch some of these athletes and what they put into the game, that's hard work. Or if you look at, you know, my, my dad and my grandpa and, you know, they are hard workers because they're farmers and ranchers. That's hard work behind you. You've got, you know, a bunch of Canada geese they are setting in and they're about to be blasted, which is awesome. And, uh, and I think to myself, guys who set up decoys and who are, you know, uh, hunters and are out in the bush every single day as guides, those guys are hard workers. So I'm just passionate about people who work hard. Those are the ones I really look up to. I love, I love your analogy, Brett. And I also love that you called them Canada geese because most people in the States that hunt a little bit, or maybe a moderate hunter call them Canadian geese. And I'm like, let's go hunt Canadians. And I'm like, we would probably go to prison if we went and tried to shoot at a Canadian. So they're called, <laughs> they're, they're referred to as Canada geese, not Canadian geese. And, and yeah. I love, you know, the Americans down here will be like, I love hunting Canadians. And I'm like, man, that's kind of bold, you know, but um, you know, talk to, talk, talk to me a little bit about, about the, uh, you, you know, you started talking about the the analogy between sports and, and and your musical career. Your musical career started like I, I think like thirteen. You recorded an actual studio album. Um, is this is this because you 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 felt that you had the, were you like being researched by a talent agency and they're like hey this kid's got it was it something that your family's like hey this kid's got it or were you just like hey I'm gonna go into this studio and my family's gonna pay to get me a little joke and it's gonna turn into something because you don't hear of a lot of guys or girls saying hey I'm gonna be a country music star at 13. I mean, I know they have dreams and admirations, but to actually record an album at that age, that happened maybe with Leanne Rimes when she was discovered. Taylor Swift wasn't soon far, you know, after that. And I know there's been some Justin Bieber's a Canadian that had had success at a young age. Who who are your inspirations at this time and what are you thinking to go into the studio at such a young age? It's it's a great question. I mean, my inspirations, you know, were not any of the new acts. I mean, it was all traditional countries. So when I got my first guitar when I was seven and I actually went in into the studio and I actually recorded as an 11 year old. And that, 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 that piece of music actually came out when I was, uh, when I was 12 and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll show it to you here. So when I, I, I made it and I've got it on CD and cassette, but here it is, I'm 12 years old and it's called keeping it country. And so that was my very first, first recording. And when I made that, 
it was not because of any talent agency. I mean, where I grew up in a small town called St. Paul, Alberta, it's a town of 5,000 people, but we had a cattle ranch 20 minutes outside of town. And so there was no talent agency whatsoever. It was just the demand from, from the local community and people that had become such great supporters that were my fans. <coughs> now, I didn't really realize any of this was happening while it was happening, but I went to so many events and I was performing at so many events as a little kid, kind of this novelty act where, you know, if I meet you, Chad, and you've got, say, I don't know, an electrical company and you're like, hey, I got my Christmas party. Why don't you play at it? I'll pay you 50 bucks. So I'm going, I'd sing for half an hour. And then someone at that Christmas party would say, hey, I got a New Year's party and I own a plumbing company. Why don't you come play my customer appreciation? So I would do it. And then someone there is, you know, on the board of the local rodeo. And the rodeo would say, hey, why don't you come in uh, and, you know, play our late night cabaret and you can open for so-and-so. And I'd be like, hell yeah. And I'd play five songs. And then someone there would see me and play the customer appreciation for the Ford dealership. But at every single show, people would say, do you have a cassette or do you have a CD? And I'd be like, no, I don't. They're like, well, if you get one, I'll buy one. And we just heard that for a year. So my dad and my mom did an investment, um, basically plan for me, where we spoke with a local guy and they said, look, we're going to loan you $2,500 and you're going to make your first recording, but you got to pay us back. And once you pay us back, then everything you make after that is free and clear. So $2,500, okay. That's fine. We sold them for $10. Well, in the first show that I did, I sold 500 CDs, 500 CDs to probably 300 people at $10. So it's $5,000. So I paid my mom and dad back in a day at 2,500 bucks. I pocketed the other 2,500 and I've been saving money ever since. So I was just one of those kids who just got really, really lucky in the beginning to have such a great support system around me. And you have an entrepreneurial mind. I, I know that you are involved in some other businesses on, you know, that are on the outside of the music industry that could go with them. Yeah. You're in the spirits business, which is genius to be in after you see what George Clooney sold for, what Ryan Reynolds sold, sold for, what Conor McGregor sold out of proper 12 for and some of his interests. I mean, this is a great time to be in the spirits business. I've always, yeah. you know, I've always, uh, well, I'm going to mention a mutual friend here. Can you, do you know the name I'm going to mention? Uh, if I just say mutual friend between you and I, before I go into my little rant on how much I love Canada? Well, if you're going to talk perhaps about the spirit world, then maybe you're going to talk about Caitlin Bristow and her wine. That's that's where I was thinking, but I don't know. who, who you our, our mutual friend drinks wine. He also combines. He also guides and outfits. He loves whiskey. He has a bar on his property that has, has two awesome log cabins. It's in a place I, called Paradise Hill, Saskatchewan. How, how do you know Grant? I knew him immediately. How, how do you know him? The first episode, well, I first started going to Grant's in 2000 with Fred Zink and filming with Grant and Ian really? and, and Garrett and the boys. And then I, in 2008, when we started our, t our TV show, The Foul Life on the Outdoor Channel, our very first two episodes were filmed 
with Grant Kuypers. And then on the 10-year anniversary of the TV show going into season 10, we were back in Saskatchewan filming at Buck Paradise. And then if it wasn't for Trudeau and all of this bull you-know-what going on with the border because I didn't get the <laughs> shot, I, I, would, I didn't miss Canada for 19 years, from 2000 to 2019. And, um, and I hunt in Alberta, too, up around Cold Lake with Clay and Crystal Charlton at Take Em Outfitters. But Grant Kuypers is one of my best friends. I spent many a good Nashville nights with him. And he just no got... Kidding. You know, he just got engaged two weeks yes, ago down in Louisiana, maybe a month ago now. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So Grant Kuypers has has we feel I'm going to send you some. Maybe I'll get your number and I'll send you some uh, some uh, clips today of us filming his ranching, farming, and hunting operation with some episodes we aired a couple Please years ago. Please do absolutely. So Grant Grant is as you know is just he's salt of the earth. He's I would describe Grant as very very high on the good guy list. Like if yep. you if you're gonna make your top ten good guys in your life, he's 100 percent on that list, no matter what. And and his sons are too, actually his entire team. So this this bear behind me, my shoulder. I mean, it's 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 not a big bear, but that was the first black bear I ever got, and that was at Buck Paradise. And then this beautiful white tail, I also got a Buck Paradise. Um, so there's a lot of Grant Kuipers uh, here in this room, and it's interesting how you said uh, take them outfitters out in Cold Lake. Although I don't know that outfitting. Um, but Cold Lake is only about 50, it's less than an hour from my ranch. So, and, from, and from Grants. It's like right on the border to Grants, too. Exactly. So whenever you're in Cold Lake or Paradise Hill again, please let me know, Chad, because I'd love to uh, maybe join you for an episode. And, and we'll, we won't shoot Canadians, but we'll shoot some <laughs> Canadas and we'll have some fun. And, and, I, and I agree with you. I think this, this border situation is, is gone on for, for too long. There's only four countries there's 190 some countries on planet Earth, and only four of them have as strict measures as Canada. And uh, and I'm 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 over it. I'm extremely disappointed, and I'm I'm ready to ready to get well, back in the saddle and play some shows and invite friends like you up to Canada because it's ridiculous. Shot or no shot, you deserve to be here and come hunt doing, and fish and hang. Couple thoughts on that. I saw the news come out of Trudeau's office today, which I'm not even going to mention on this after what's been going on in in, in our country with some of the really unbelievable evil that's going on. But the news that came out of his office today drives me nuts. Second off, what really drives me nuts is families like Grant and the Charltons in Alberta or all over Wilkie, uh, Wilkie, Saskatchewan, all over places in Alberta that we've hunted from. I don't, I don't, I don't care if it's, you know, around Edmonton or wherever we've hunted probably a hundred days in just Alberta with over 400 days in Saskatchewan that accumulates for these small towns and these cafes and these restaurants and these gas stations, these hotels, that these little small prairie Canadian towns thrive on American tourism for hunting and fishing and to Take that away from these people that are so gracious to us and roll out the red carpet for us and never say no to us and open us with or welcome us with open arms and a cup of coffee or some poutine. Or I do want to talk about the food of Canada with you because sometimes I'm confused about it. But there, there is no finer place if you're an outdoorsman than Alberta and Saskatchewan and Manitoba and Ontario. And those two that I named first are so close to my heart because 
I cut my teeth waterfowl hunting in them, and that is the mecca for what I love to do. And now to be told that you can't go there because you will not do what we say with this deal, I'm just sitting there with tears in my eyes going, I used to cross the border every year with a smile on my face and could not wait to hug Grant and have that first cocktail looking out over that sunset or that sunrise or whatever part of Paradise Hill we were in or going to Lens, his dad's old bar, smoking Lens and hanging. It just kills me internally. Brett that we're not allowed to do it anymore so I hope what you say rings true and that we're able to to join you back up there soon because it wears on me knowing that going into September and October every year I'm not even engaging or getting ready to execute and, that trip across the border it kills me it kills me I I, I I I can hear that I can see that I can feel you know obviously your passion for it and uh, and I gotta let you know I I, I echo it and it's uh, it's gone on for too long, too far. And if anybody's followed me on social media or whatever, I um, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm very very deep rooted in my own passionate stance that this has just gone on for too long, and it's 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 been taken too far. So with all that being said, it's so interesting because you know there were years, last two years, there were concerts going on in the United States, and I would fly across the border and I'd go you know perform in the United States you know, to 2,500 people or 3,000 people. And I'd come back home and have to quarantine for 14 days before I go back to my own home. Like, make it make sense. You know, you'd be, that was my big thing on social media. It was called make it make sense. If I'd be in Medicine Hat, Alberta, I lock down masks. You can't go anywhere. You must stay in your home. But if you drive 40 minutes across the border to Montana, it's free. So make it make sense. Is this, is it happening or is it not happening? So exactly. all that being said, I've just found that it's a system in which I cannot change. It's something in which I can stay rooted in my truth, but understand that there's not a whole hell of a lot I can do about it at this particular time, other than cling to what it says on my fridge magnet, which is like absence makes the heart grow fonder, or we will make up for lost time. And I promise you that when you do get back up to Paradise Hill, you're probably going to have the best hunt of your life. And so, and I just hope that I can be there with you so that we can throw back a few cocktails and we can let those big honkers hit the ground. So I, I'd like to see if I can sweeten the deal and see if I can join you. When you do no, come up in the, you're, you know, uh, I'd love that. You so know, much. you're going to be there now. I think you're rad. I think that, I think there's nothing better than uh, the, the, the Canadian spirit, man. I'm telling you, like, I love the people of Canada and it hurts not being able to go up and, the memories that we've created when you see these, when I send you these links and you see these episodes and you see, you know, Ian and Garrett and, and taking over dad's farming operation and being out there in the canola and being out there in the peas and, and then burying our ground blinds in there and then cooking with, you know, cooking with Ray Ray and, and getting the Traeger going on the deck at Buck Paradise and, and, and then going There's to the nothing bar better. and then going You're... to St. Wahlberg one night and maybe <laughs> doing that yeah. and, and going down to the Battlefords and hunting down there. Like Grant Kuyper's like literally is one of the main reasons why, why our hunting businesses are where they're at. I mean, Grant Kuypers was some of the first inspiration to the Avery Outdoors brand with the original president and CEO, Tom Matthews, coming up there and, and saying, Grant, you need to do whitetails, not just ducks and geese, or you need to do ducks and geese, not just whitetails. I mean, there was all, Grant Kuypers has been ingrained in our waterfowl business since 1999-2000. That is what 23 years now and for us not to be years. able for us to be able to not go visit him and show our gratitude up in Canada. 
it's just it just blows my mind. But that that kind of knowledge or intel doesn't matter to people like your leader, your prime minister. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to him one bit that you that you that you know that you have friends and family in those small rural areas that are suffering because of this. It's uh, there. There's no denying that being a politician is the is the single I would probably one of the hardest jobs in in the world because under no circumstances can you please everybody. No. Nope. But there there's no denying that there is a complete lack of of knowledge and care for the outdoors world. And it's, and I, and I would say that to, I would say that to, to our prime minister's face, no, no doubt about it. Like it's, it's an industry that matters, not just one, maybe 2% negative percent. It's not even on the radar. So it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be very, very interesting to see, you know, with the next, with the next few years um, are, are like uh, here in, uh, here in Canada. Um, you know, it's going to be very, very interesting. That's for sure. So, so turning the tide to good stuff and maybe some of this isn't good. Cause I have a couple questions that might be hard for you to answer. Is the culinary flair of Canada as a whole good. Now I know you can go to Toronto or Montreal or a big city and find some, you know, some, some food that came from different parts of the world. As far as inspiration goes, you can do that in any country in the world. You can go to a sushi bar in Montreal and have great sushi. I've had great sushi in Toronto. Um, what is Canada known for? Like if you go, if you go to like the Cajun country, Louisiana, you know what it's known for, right? You got the etouffee, you got the gun, which I've had some amazing Cajun meals in Canada and camp with my, my Cajun buddies up there. If you go to New York, you might say, oh, you're going to get a pizza. You go to Chicago, you're going to get a deep dish, whatever it is, right? There's certain yeah. places in the world, Brett, that we both know are known for stuff, New Orleans, whatever it is. When I go to Canada, I am always confused by the culinary part of it. Is there something that you're known for? Is it the gravy on the French fries? Or what would you say is the best Canadian food? Is there is there something? Or is it just the bacon that we put on our pizza? Talk to me about this. <laughs> uh, well, great question. Here's here's the thing is that because Canada is so gigantic, it's it's like saying, what is what is America known for? And but you what you explained was like, well, I mean, do you want to talk about New York? Do you want to talk about Cajun? Do you want to about, talk about Texas brisket barbecue? What do you want to talk about the California lifestyle and, you know, California Cobb salad or these amazing fish tacos that are there with that lifestyle? Or do you want to talk about the wine country in Napa? Like what what is America known for? America is so vast and Canada is equally as vast. Or even because of the landmass, even though we don't have near the population, because of the landmass being so gigantic, you've got the most extraordinary seafood in, in the world, the best oysters and scallops and lobster. And you would think that it's Maine or you think that it's Massachusetts or you think that it's, you know, any of those north uh, eastern states. Well, the reality is, is that in every contest for oysters or scallops or um, or mussels, it's actually Prince Edward Island or Nova Scotia. You find that and, and it's great. That delicacy is right there. So we have actually some of the most high-end food in our country. You want to talk about caviar. There's a way to excrete um, the caviar out of sturgeon, which is uh, an almost extinct species, a very endangered species, on the Fraser River in, in British Columbia. But you can still extract that sturgeon caviar which you're paying thousands of dollars an ounce if you go to the Asian market, if you go to the Russian market, et cetera. So that's an absolutely extraordinary delicacy. But what I think we're known for in Canada, because I'm big into the culinary world, is we are the first um, in doing all of my research and all of these competitions or and all of these conversations, we are the first 
to truly, I would say, invent the concept of farm to table. Because in Canada, we have so much access to wild meat, the best beef in the world, which comes from Alberta. It's won every contest that there is to win before there are even contests. So when you want to talk about farm to table or the first real group to do organic uh, poultry or to figure out a way to do an organic farm to table garden recipe, that was done here in Canada first in cities like Calgary and cities like Toronto and all of these incredible cities. So if you actually want to find those pockets and find those great restaurants who are now on every Netflix list, there's a, a, a chef in Calgary named Darren McLean, who's one of the best chefs in the world. He's been on a chef's table in Netflix. He's won top chef. He's won all of these contests, iron chef, and he's from Calgary. And so he's the guy that has Gordon Ramsay and Chef Bobby Flay and all of these celebrities from around the world come to him in Calgary to say, how are you doing this? How are you growing your garden? How are you raising that cow? And what are you finishing that cow with? Why are you putting red wine in the silage three months, every meal for three months before that cow gets, gets butchered? Like he's this amazing guy. So Canada, I believe is known not for one cuisine, but for truly inventing the concept of farm to table. Wow, dude, I like it. Very good answer. Not that you were needed a good answer, but just awesome insight. And I, I can't argue because I know I know somebody right outside of, of uh, Killam, Alberta, Killam, Alberta yeah. down um, that has an unbelievable ranching, farming, farm to table operation. We've eaten many meals at her house, her and her husband's house that that are exactly what you just described like there's another chef that i will mention since we're talking about friends or canadians michael hunter with the antler restaurant have you heard of yeah. this restaurant in yes now, i have this cat can cook he is an unbelievable dude to hang out with i just hung out with him at the traeger summit in salt lake city and he throws down some amazing farm to table methods and wild game and i know it's farm raised wild game in his restaurant but he he it puts his money where his mouth is he's a hunter he's a fisher he's an unorthodox out of the box thinking chef that has a great reputation so yeah you're right i mean canadians are killing it on that farm-to-table organic lifestyle. Let me ask you this without irritating you, and if you need to cut me off, just give me the universal <laughs> signal for cutting you off. <clears throat> but why do me and a bunch of my buddies refer to Nickelback as the worst band of all time, Brett Kissel? Can you talk about this? Are they a good rock band? What the heck is Nickelback? And why does, when they come up in conversation, do a lot of Americans, because I haven't heard a lot of Canadians say it, but a lot of Americans go, no, we don't want to hear Nickelback. That's not good. Because back in the day, I would groove to a little bit of rock star or whatever. But why yeah. did they get this reputation? Can you talk on this? Because it might be too close to home. You might even be friends with Chad and the guys over there. I'm just asking a simple question. Why did Nickelback get this reputation? You know, I I, I know Chad Chad pretty well. And it's so funny because it's it's like one of those things. It's like people love to hate the Yankees. People love to hate on Tom Brady. Um and it's because when you're so wildly successful, it's it's like uh, there's this quote from Patrick Waugh, who's an extraordinary goalie, and he's won, you know, he's, he's won multiple Stanley Cups. He's one of the best goalies of, of all time. And there was another young goalie who was chirping him during a playoff series. And Patrick Waugh, during the press conference, says, I can't hear, and he's French. He says, I can't hear what he's saying because I have my two Stanley Cup rings in my ear to block. <laughs> you know, I cannot hear what he tried to tell me, you know. And that's Nickelback to me. 
is that they became a bit of a meme and it culturally were the band that everybody loved to hate because they were so wildly successful. Every song went number one, every song went platinum. They would sell a million records every time that they put out a record and they'd sell uh, um, you know, a million tickets worldwide every time they went out on tour. So because of that, because of that, you kind of love to hate them. So I don't know why it's it, the, the pendulum has swung now because in Canada, a lot of people would be like, yeah, I can't stand Nickelback, can't stand. But now the pendulum has swung back and everybody's loving Nickelback again. But in America, it's funny because as soon as Seth MacFarlane, you know, writes it, you know, into every one episode, every season about hating on Nickelback, it actually becomes culturally acceptable to hate Nickelback. Yet these guys still, if they put on, on a concert like today in, at the T-Mobile Arena in Vegas, they would sell it out right away. Or if they put a concert out at Bridgestone Arena in Nashville, they would sell it out in, in, in two minutes. They're, you can't argue their success. So I don't know why everybody hates them, but it's kind of funny to me. It's funny to all of us. Do you like their music? Very much so. Yeah. yeah, see, I, I can't say that I don't. It's weird that you mentioned the Seth MacFarlane adult cartoon, um, you know, kind of like the Simpsons and how many things that they, that they you know, had the crystal ball for and a lot of it came true. I don't know, you know, this is kind of like a, uh, I don't know how to describe it, if it's a cult that believes that, if it's if it's one of those thoughts that gets in your mind and you're like, oh, I got to believe it because it's there. But there is a lot to be said about what Seth MacFarlane writes in to an episode of one of his adult style cartoons and gets people to believe it. So, but it's amazing to me that so many people like when I, like I am, I think in my heart and people have heard this on my podcast before guns and roses is the best rock band of all time. Hands down. Axl Rose is the best lead man vocalist of all time. I got, nobody can argue that with me because I, I got my Stanley cup rings in my ears. I refuse to listen that Freddie Mercury's the best or Robert plants the best or, or Chris Cornell. Cause I love all those guys, but to me it's guns and roses. And when you bring up guns and roses, every, you always hear, well, Axel's an asshole or they were such pricks back in the day. Cause they'd be three hours late to his show and they, they would do all this stuff, but you never hear anybody say, man, they suck. Or you can't, you know what I mean? But when you bring up Nickelback, they, people actually say they suck. And I'm like, well, am I, am I supposed to believe this or am I supposed to just write it as, as what you're saying is like, that's just some cult following that's made up, made this, to, that it's become believable because of how many times it was put into the media by yeah. people like Seth <clears throat> MacFarlane. Exactly. I think that it just culturally became a thing that people just started to to, to grab onto and you and you know that based on the world today in 2022 that the people who are on the far 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 side of the spectrum right here or the far 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 side of the spectrum on the other side are actually the loudest but everyone who's right here in the middle like you and me in in, in on the nickelback conversation i mean we're like do do like i i love nickelback i i really do i i genuinely do but everyone who's here is just speaking so loudly about their their passionate uh hate on for the band that it's it's kind of ridiculous but it is what it is you know guns and roses i think it's very difficult in every genre country music pop music rock music to find and say this is the greatest band of all time because what is the measurable statistics is it concert ticket sales is it number ones is it how you affected culture? What is rock? Because Guns N' Roses rock is way different than Beatles rock. And 
Led Zeppelin rock is way different than Rolling Stones rock. And Motley Crue rock is way different from, you know, Nirvana rock. So what is the greatest rock band of all time? But you have to say, without question, that Guns N' Roses is in the conversation. And you can, you can say that they are in the top 10. And anyone at any given time could have that number one spot. But I say Guns N' Roses, Motley Crue, ACDC, um, uh, even U2, um, Foo Fighters, Beatles, Rolling Stones, Zeppelin, they are all uh, Queen. They are all in that mesh for the greatest rock bands of all time. And at any given time, someone could be number one. Um, but you can't tell, you cannot tell me that Guns N' Roses is not in that top five or top 10. So yeah, I agree. And that's, and that's the right way to argue, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just so yeah. stern on Guns N' Roses. Like, like I like I would I would pick them like their their library, but you also got to look at like the Stones being so iconic for so long. Like you too, I would never go watch Bono sing, but you can't argue the fact that he sells out every worldwide coliseum and biggest you know venues known to man. Um, but you know that's what's so cool about music and what you do, Brett, is that you know I I've had a I've had a, a, a soapbox you know, pendulum for a while of where I would get up on this soapbox and be like, where's the country music? Like you just showed me your CD when you're 13. That's more country than freaking 90% of the stuff coming out of music city USA. But then I get educated by artists that, Hey, we love Nashville because you can, it's a melting pot. You can, you can be Queens of the stone age and live there. You can have 98 degrees on your, on your single, which we're going to talk about in a minute. You can have Florida, Georgia line that were rappers and become country guys and go worldwide with a smash hit called cruise that they wrote with my buddy Chase Rice and others. But like country music's going to do what country music's going to do. I guess I can sit back and say, well, I love Brett Cobb and I love Adam Hood and I love I love underground country that might not be as famous yeah. as as what's going on. But I also love Morgan Wallen and what he's doing. I love Hardy and what he's doing. I think there's so, there's so much talent that's coming out of there. And I really do want to transition this conversation into music here in a second. But I have one more Canadian question for you. Yeah. Does it take a lot of talent to be a good curler? Absolutely. Because I, I, there are so many people that have tried and failed. There, it is an art. It is an art. Now, back in the in the eighties and nineties, you would watch these guys who would win championships, and they had like a corn husk broom, and they've still got a dart hanging out. They've got big beer bellies, and they got a dart hanging out, and, <clears throat> and they're winning championships. Whereas now, it's a true blue athletic form that is just an absolute unbelievable game of chess. And if you watch a full curling match, which to some people is like pulling teeth or to some people it is your best day ever, where some of my friends cannot wait to go watch curling. They cannot wait to watch it live. They cannot wait to, you know, crack a cold one, sit and watch curling on TV. And to me, it is probably one of the most strategic games in sport that there is, really. And it's unbelievable. Now getting a chance to spend time with a lot of these world-class curlers. Uh, my vodka company sponsors uh, the best men's team in the world right now. Brendan Botcher, uh, who won a Canadian championship, has won a world championship. So watching these guys, they are actually in peak athletic form. And yet they're, they're curling. And it's one of the most underrated sports. And get this, in Canada, curling is the number two, get this, it is the number two most watched sport in the nation behind, obviously, hockey. 
It's not, you would think it's NBA basketball because of the Raptors. You'd think it's MLB baseball because of the Blue Jays. You'd think that it's CFL football. We have more viewers than NASCAR, baseball, anything to watch curling. It is just, it is the most fascinating sport right now in Canada going. And it is fascinating because of the strategy and because of the thought process that goes into every shot. And then just the, the approach to the touch. Like you go in and play shuffleboard at a bar with two or three beers in you and you think you got touch. And, you know, you're trying to get it down the table and try to knock somebody off or try to parlay into the two hole or something. Like curling is like like the graduation of that times 10, right? Like a, on a different yeah. level. And I've got, and I've, because of Grant Kuypers, which I have a quote here from Grant Kuypers, I am summons to read you brett kissel he just texts me back uh because of grant kuypers i've been able to go into a hockey arena and do some curling um my next goal in my mid-40s is to become a proficient ice skater because after watching all these predator games finally at this time in my life becoming a big time fan of hockey i want to learn how to ice skate now so here's what our good buddy grant kuypers from buck paradise in paradise hill saskatchewan says he says, I love it. You guys, you guys will be great together. He is a great man. I sorry I was busy talking about crop insurance. I was thinking <laughs> about I was thinking about Brett this morning, actually, on one of his Instagram posts of his favorite moments. You can tell him when I beat him at cribbage and when I was sitting in a deer blind with him. I beat him 15 to 2, 15 to 4 in the game of cribbage. Is this true or is Grant just talking smack this morning? Well, it's very true. However, <laughs> it's it's like it's like um, celebrating when you win one game of a four game series. Oh, You're yeah. like, yeah, I'm the best. I won one game. It's like, yeah, but you didn't win the playoff round, Grant. You know, oh. like, but Grant, Grant, he he, Grant is a, is a card shark. That guy has got high level IQ, and he and I were sitting in the deer blind this November, and um, we kind of got it zipped up. We're peeking through. And we weren't seeing anything. So, um, you know, we're talking, we talked for a couple hours, you know, very, very quietly. And then I reach into my backpack and I got out a crib board and he just laughed and he said, of course, you've got a crib board. And it's my favorite, it's my favorite card game. So we're playing and it was a lot of fun and we didn't really see a lot of deer that day. Then the very next day, it's Remembrance Day, November the 11th. And we said, look, let's, let's give ourselves till 12 noon and let's just sit dead quiet and let's not play any cards, even though he knows how bad I want to play cards. And sure enough, if I don't see the buck of a lifetime that just wa- walked in and he walked in from six kilometers, he was another guy at an, that was caught on another trail camp at, at a place called the old rugged cross. And so for him to travel six kilometers and somehow walk around a lake, an entire lake to get to this particular location He's like, that's not our shooter. We're waiting on another big buck, but this even bigger buck came in and um, I couldn't believe it. I, I was shaking, you know, looking at him through the scope, you know, like I got buck fever, but put in a good shot and I was just so happy with Grant. So day one, I beat him in crib. And day two, I shot one of the biggest bucks on the place. So it was one of the best trips I've ever had. Uh, that's awesome. I love that, dude. Just thinking about it gets me. I get emotional about Grant just because he is such he's a humble, best, right? he's such he's a humble, just lovable, just kiss you on the cheek and freaking grab you by the neck and hug you and tell you how he feels about it. I, I think that I think that if our world leaders, like your guy up there, and I don't know if you call our guy a leader. Oh, I didn't say that out loud. But 
I think I guess if you got him in the same room with Grant Kuypers for about a, an hour, maybe two hours, this world would be a whole lot better off. Let's just be honest. Like he would, I agree. he could teach us. You you have to if you spend time with 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 a with a good guy like that, and we know many good girls in our lives who are that special too. But you spend time with a guy like Grant Kuypers, and it's 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 infectious. So that to me is something that maybe makes you and I question. Some of the people who are in positions of power around the world, who are they actually really surrounded by? Are you surrounded by those salt of the earth people that can really inspire you? Or are you surrounded by just yes men and yes women? Um, Who are you surrounded by? Are you surrounded by people that make you afraid that if you say the wrong thing, you're going to be canceled too? Because of course you're on a pedestal, you're on a soapbox and everything, absolutely everything, absolutely everything is analyzed. So who are you? really surrounded by. And I think that I'm a better person because I've been able to spend time with the Grant Kuypers of the world. And every time I need a bit of a reset, well, I know I can just drive three hours away and I can go and, uh, and pour myself a cocktail and solve the problems of the world with one of the best guys. So I'm with- so happy that we were able to talk about a guy who is so great and so influential in both our lives. Both of our lives. And I would, I would take it to my grave that he's one of the main reasons why we have had some of the hum, humbled, please let me say humbled success that we've had in the hunting arena because guys like Grant Kuypers loved us, cared for us, passionately took care of us, and most of all believed in us, took a risk on us, and continues to do so. And and it pays off every time you do something with Grant Kuypers because he has so much love and passion for the earth, for the family, for the friends, for the wildlife, for conservation, for habitat. He just gets it. And um, the guy, uh, uh, America and other countries around the world could definitely learn a lesson from our our both of our good friends, Grant Kuypers. I heard you say in that, that little uh, soiree you just talked about, about good women in our lives. When you Google Canadian country music artists, and I'm sitting in America and I just Googled it. Three of three people came up. They showed four and three of them I've heard of Shania Twain, Terry Clark, which I would go watch Terry Clark live any day of the week. I would, I love her. Shania Twain became a huge, huge superstar. Massive. And then Brett Kissel's on this list. In America, when you Google, when you Google Canadian music artists, country, Canadian country music artists, those are the four that come up. Well, isn't that great? That's so, awesome. Thank that's you, pretty, Google. <laughs> that's pretty rad, Google. So you're right yeah. underneath the beautiful and talented Shania Twain with uh, that keeps conquering her Las Vegas residency. Terry Clark's impersonations of... Glenn Campbell and Willie Nelson and Waylon Jennings and John Anderson. God, when she does Seminole win, I'm just like, boom, Brett Kissel, answer me. Yes. This, answer me this question. Is it hard for a Canadian country music star? And I mean, star like yourself, because you've been there, done that up there. Videos of the year, uh, uh, future artists of the year, male artists of the year, male vocalists of the year, video of the year, th- single of the year. You've done it all. At 33 or however old you are, 32, sorry if I didn't get it dead on. You're born in 1990, so you're 32 <clears throat> years old. Yeah. 32, very young man. Is it hard to break over to this 
this pendulum over here of being on the CMTs and the ACMs and traveling. I know you're with Brad Paisley and Brad Paisley loves your music. Brad Paisley's had some unbelievable success in country music. One of the greatest guitar players in country music history, probably only behind Jerry Reed, maybe as far as a guy that got on stage and did it and also sang like Jerry did. Maybe Keith Urban. I know there's a ton of great session guitars. I've seen them. I know there's a great, a ton of great live guitars for bands, but a lot of them don't sing and do the whole show. Like the ones I just mentioned were, but is it tough, Brett Kissel, to break over? And I love what is over your left shoulder on my right, your left shoulder. Dreams don't work unless you do. Let's just be honest. You get put on this earth to work. You got to have a work ethic to make dreams come true. Luck is when opportunity and hard work meet, right? We create our own luck. So tell me, I know you're a working SOB. I know that you're a fun haver. I know you're a family man. I know you're a father, a husband, a friend. I get it. I know you're a dreamer just like I am. Is it easy? I know it's not easy. That's the wrong question. What does it take? Because you're a great artist. Your music is awesome. What does it take for America to go, man, them Canadians are really good? Well, there's there's no denying. I mean, at the very beginning, you just simply said the question, is it hard? And the answer is yes, absolutely. I think it's very hard. Um, Is it harder than somebody's journey in, you know, who has the identical path as I do. I'm from Alberta, he's from Alabama, or, you know, my buddy's from Saskatchewan and my other buddy's from Georgia, and they're both trying to make it in Music City. Is it hard? Absolutely. Um, And I would say in previous generations, it was way harder for a Canadian. Um, The reason why is because of a little bit of a cultural difference and understanding that if, if you meet the president of a record label on a Monday afternoon, and you're from Alberta, Canada, there's not a lot of relatability between that president and you. You try to find common ground, you try to sing the best songs, write the best songs, show the best demo that you possibly have. There's a little bit of an accent thing, obviously. Um, But then right after you, you leave. I'm the Canadian, I just left. And then a kid from Georgia comes in. Well, it just so happens that the president is also from Georgia, where the president also just loves, you know, he, he loves, you know, the Atlanta Braves the same way that you do. And all of a sudden there's that connection because you're from the same place. So is it hard? The answer is yes. That relatability is sometimes difficult to find um, where you can, Americans can relate to Americans a lot more than Canadians can relate to them in just those little nuances, which psychologically will get into the back of your mind if you're really searching for that record deal. However, in this day and age, in 2022, it's a lot easier. Now, nothing in life is ever easy. If it's worth doing, it's never easy. It's only hard. So you have to work for it. And I, I, to a degree, I've made it to a degree. I've not made it 1% in this business compared to George Strait or Garth Brooks or even Brad Paisley. But for me and all of my friends who are making it now in the United States, the reason why we're able to do so is because there's really no border. Isn't it funny how we just talked about this at the beginning of the, of the conversation? There's no border in terms of music. If you are on your Spotify playlist right now, you're going to find a song by, by me, and then, you're gonna find it, and then it's going to transition to a song by Chase Rice, who's going to go to Florida Georgia Line, who's going to go to BB Rexa, who's then going to go to BB Rexa, which is pop to Rihanna, Rihanna to Paul McCartney, Paul McCartney to Frank Sinatra, Frank Sinatra to Lady Gaga, Lady Gaga to Bradley Cooper, Bradley Cooper back to Garth Brooks and back to Brett Kessel. So it doesn't matter what you're listening to. And the listener doesn't care where you're from anymore. They, they really don't. 
because they have access to worldwide music at their fingertips right now. So there are more Canadians on country radio in America right now today than there've ever been, like Lindsay L, High Valley, James Barker Band, The Reckless, to Neil Arts, to Neil Towns, a little bit of Brett Kissel, you've got some Dean Brody, you've got Sasha, you've got all these acts that are coming up through the ranks and are not taking spots from Americans, but they're just taking a spot that they deserve because their music is phenomenal. So it's a very, very exciting time to be a Canadian because the door is wide open and no longer, to me, do record executives care about where you're from. You could be from Perth, Australia. You could be from Perth, Ontario. You could be from St. Paul, Alberta or St. Paul, Minnesota. They don't care. What are your stats? What's your talent? Are you willing to work? And can I make money off of you? Because if I'm a, like, a record label person and I can make money off of you, I'm probably going to sign. Does it, so, fresh, does it frustrate you that you came up in the honky-tonks of Canada and you came up in the, the fairs and the rodeos paying your dues? Does it frustrate you a little bit, Brett Kissel, that somebody can go on TikTok now and get the, the admiration and the following and the record label um, attention onto them because of this app that we're or is it a positive thing that we're able to find people that do have talent out there that might not have the avenue before because before before american idol and simon cow okay the original days there was ed mcmahon in star search and there was a little tiny band named sawyer brown that was discovered on this show well nobody knows that mark miller i mean in my age group they might but younger than me they might hear the races on or some one of the you know guys like me he's one of the greatest hits one of the greatest live bands still to this day in country music sawyer brown was discovered in a talent show type of tv show does it frustrate you that it's like so available readily available now that somebody can go on and record a song and become a smash sensation without really paying their dues? Or does it matter if you pay your dues anymore? Because you say right behind you, you got to work. Well, those guys had to work too, or those girls had to work too, maybe with vocal training or something. But does it piss you off a little bit that these apps have taken a place of maybe a talent agent or somebody that's actually finding these acts in a honky-tonk? So huge question. There's a lot to unpack there. And as, as you're talking, I'm really sitting with this to answer this properly and I think to the most authentic way that I that I possibly can um I have to understand that in 2022 this is my this is the new way the same way you described in in the early 2000s 20 years ago American Idol in the voice was the new way the same way in the you know the 19 you know, say, I don't know, 60s or 70s, there was a new way. So I'd have to understand that that is just the way that the ecosystem works in the music business, that this is the new way. And it's an app called TikTok that is breaking acts worldwide. However, like everything, if you're discovered on a talent show and all of a sudden you are just thrown into superstardom, there are very few. And I mean, very few, because every year there's an American Idol winner and every year I'm going to talk about the 2000s. Every year there's an American Idol winner and a voice winner and a America's Got Talent winner and all these contests. Name me right now. Can you name me five acts that have stayed and become massive superstars from those shows? Let me try. Um, Carrie Underwood. That was that would be not my number one. 
Who okay, else? the second one would be uh, Kelly Clarkson. Kelly I don't Clarkson. even know if she won. Did she win? I don't even she know. She win. She won, yeah. What was the cat's name? Daughtry? Is he Canadian? No, Daughtry's American. Okay, so did he win? I don't know if he won, but he became kind of he big, got, didn't he? Yeah, I got fourth place. He had some success, yes. uh, but he didn't have to win it. Um, Correct. Morgan, Morgan Wallen got like fourth or fifth, I think, and he had some success. I didn't. Uh, I didn't even know that Morgan was on a show. Yes, he was on The Voice, I believe. Okay. Um, okay. Now, what was the badass harmonicas player with the gray hair? But he was still your age, about. But he had all the gray hair, and he was like the bluesy singer on American Idol. He was a badass, but he never really made it. He had like one cut. Taylor. And, uh, Taylor Hicks. Taylor Hicks. Taylor Hicks. That dude was awesome, but he never made it. I know. I understand your question completely because you sit back and you go, "Where are they now?" Where are these people that America was driving up the ratings and all of these text messages and all these these carriers of phone companies were making millions off of these texts coming through? And there was yeah. all this revenue generated by this show. Coca-Cola was the main sponsor. Now, Dunkin' Correct. Donuts, they got their cups out there. But yeah, you really have to sit back, Brett Kissel, with what you said. It's so well thought of that there not many of them became household names. Now, I know what you're saying. I'm going to let you finish. <laughs> There's very few accounts. If you look at the like what happened to Britney Spears because of celebrity at a young age and just thrown into it. Justin Timberlake was too. He had a pretty good head on his shoulders. Bieber's went through some stuff. Like Michael Jackson was like the original, right? Like the kid was pushed into this at eight years old and ended up being kind of wacko, even though I think he's the greatest of all time. I would listen to Michael every single day still in my 40s. But what you're saying has a ton of validity to it, you still got to pay your dues. You got to come up like Eric Church did in Baton Rouge with eight people in the room to understand what falling on your face means. So when you do sell out Madison Square Gardens or Miller Park in Milwaukee like he did last week, you know how to take that. That's I kind of think that's where you're going. Maybe I'm off a little bit. Well, I'm I'm definitely go going in, into that. The the reality is is that by paying your dues in 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 sometimes the old school ways. You have a career that has legacy and longevity. And by doing that, I'm not saying Eric Church's career is better than Shawn Mendes's career because Shawn Mendes obviously was discovered on Vine and stuff like that. I'm not saying that, you know, uh, Glenn Campbell's career coming up through the ranks or Garth Brooks's career is any greater than Justin Bieber's career because Justin Bieber was discovered on YouTube. People can arrive and become massive superstars in any different way shape and form but if you want the staying power work ethic is the only thing that's going to get you there so right now there are tiktokers who have significantly 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 more following than some of my friends or some of my heroes in the business and tiktok is the number one platform and it's extraordinary for breaking artists and it's changed culture for forever really but will that all those tiktokers who are now getting signed Will they become the next Dolly Parton, you know, in, in 60 years? Will they become the next Reba McIntyre in 40 years? Will they become the next Carrie Underwood in 20 years? I don't know. Proof's in the pudding. Whereas if you do it to a degree, the old fashioned way, still relying on the understanding of, of, of TikTok and social media and not, not negating that. But if you have social media, mixed with that true raw talent and that drive and that willing to perform and actually do shows, you're going to go watch a TikToker today. <clears throat> and, and you're going to be like, 
Now, this person actually is not a great performer because they've never performed before. And yet you're putting them on stage as an opener at Bridgestone Arena for the Chainsmokers. And you're like, yeah, sure, you've got, you know, 100 million views on TikTok, but you're actually really bad at singing. But at the same time, you can have somebody who's the best singer in the world, but has no social media following. And you want them to make it because they played a million shows. And you're like, man, if only you had a social media presence. So you need both is maybe what I'm trying to say. And if you really want to make it, you, you, you're really going to need both in this day and age because you can't get there unless you have that social media following and you're really on these apps. I, I truly believe um, unless you're like Coulter Wall and you're just too cool for it and people know you're too cool for it and you don't need, Coulter Wall does not need to do a dance trend. He's too cool for it. Way too <clears throat> cool. Well, yeah. okay, along those lines, I'm glad you transitioned like that. And I know that we're, 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 we haven't even gotten to your single yet. This is a good conversation. Hey, People. and Chad, maybe we don't need to. Well, That's fine. Folks, I've got a new single out, 98 Degrees. It's awesome. Check it out. That's great. Let's keep talking hunting. And it's called Ain't the Same. Yeah. Brett Kissel with 98 Degrees. Yes. I, can I call them a boy band? Are they a boy band from back in the day? 100%. Absolutely. So cool. I mean, everybody loves country music. But you transition into that, and I would be, I would challenge people on if social media is so strong and the followers are so legitimate, then I want to see Mark Chestnut and Tracy Lawrence and Tracy Bird have 4 million followers because those guys can sing their ass off. They can rock a live crowd. Their country is a biscuit. They, I know that they're from back in the day, but they're on social media now and nobody knows they're on social media. Okay. There's not this huge following of great country singers out there. Now, when, when Tracy Lawrence gets on stage this year to open up for Jason Aldean on his rock and cowboy tour, rock and rodeo tour. The, I just had DJ silver on the other day and, and me and DJ were talking about the new tour coming up. Me and silver were when Tracy Lawrence gets up on that stage this summer and all of those people that are coming into the seats with their full glass of beer, and I know there's still going to be some out there because sometimes opening acts don't fill the seats. This man better fill the seats because every song he sings that night, whether it's Paint Me a Birmingham or Time Marches On or I Can Go On and On. If the pe- world had a front porch. If the world had a front song. porch, ever. So, I, Chad, check this out. I was literally going to say when we were talking about Grant Kuypers, and if we all had a good friend like Grant, you know, how, how much different would, would our worlds be it made me think of the of the lyrics. If the world had a front porch like we did back then, like literally, that that's such a, an iconic song from the '90s that fits so well into 2022. And I I truly believe that Tracy Lawrence will fill a lot of those seats because I hope that the crowd watching Jason Aldean or the crowd you know watching Brad Paisley understands that if not for Tracy Lawrence, there would be no Jason Aldean. That's, no, and that's that's, that's what that's, that you said it the right way. I'm trying to get that message out that I understand what you said about the ecosystem. I understand what transitioning does. I know that we had to go from the outlaws. We had to go from hair bands to legitimate freaking rock and roll at the end of the eighties into some of what they called grunge in the nineties with Kurt Cobain and Cornell and Pearl Jam and the Seattle scene. I get that it, everything changes that doesn't freaking mean it should be forgotten. And when you go to a Pearl Jam Eddie Vedder show today, it's loaded with people. Before Cornell yeah. passed, when he did Zach Brown's uh, of, uh, uh, song, heavy, yeah. as the head, heavy as the Head, or, um, every arena, he was on Saturday Night Live a year before he passed away. He was still Chris Cornell. Guns N' Roses is selling out every stadium they go to. 
why do we forget about our country stars? Why do we, why do I have to go to this little hole in the wall in Choctaw, Oklahoma, just because I happen to be driving through to get to a duck hunt in Arkansas. And I see Tracy birds performing Friday night and I slam on the brakes to see if I can fit it into my schedule. I didn't even know he was on tour. Okay. That why do we forget <laughs> about our country stars this way? Well, I know that Dolly hasn't been forgotten because she's iconic. But we remember Willie Nelson. We remember Waylon. We remember Merle because they passed away. What about freaking Mark Chestnut? What about Tracy? What about these guys it's, that rock? It's our coming world? up. It's it's coming up, and the, the resurgence of '90s country is coming up in a big, big way. But the reality is, is that country stars are are similar to athletes, where guys like Michael Jordan and Larry Bird and Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant and Charles Barkley and Patrick Ewing and those guys are getting all, all the credit and all, not credit, but they're getting all that celebrity time. Um, you, and in NFL, you've got the same thing. You've got obviously, I mean, Tom Brady retired and then he's back and he's going to retire. But you, you get guys like, you know, Terry hey. Bradshaw and all these incredible athletes on, on, the, on the panels on ESPN and stuff like that. But then you ask, well, what about all these other guys that were absolutely amazing and such incredible guys that, rounded out, out the NFL and the makeup of, of the eighties or the nineties. What about all these guys? So your, your question is what about Tracy Lawrence? What about Tracy bird? What about, you know, Mark chestnut? What about, you know, Joe Diffie? What about all these guys and Sawyer Brown? Their time is coming back again because they are so great. And their music sounds so great. Even to this day, like little Texas and Blackhawk and all these bands that I love. But the reality is, is that just in culture, it just so happens that Garth, George Strait, Reba, and Shania are truly just taking all the space because they are so big. So, and that's just the way that it goes. You know, and in hockey, I want to talk about, but what about Paul Coffey? And what about Mark Messier? What about all these guys? No, you know what? You, all you brought up was Gretzky. You know, all these other guys were iconic, but Gretzky just takes up all the space. It's just a culture thing to me. And I don't think it means any less of what they've accomplished, but the best part about it is that at least in this day and age, unlike any other generation, because the eighties never had a resurgence. They never did. The eighties were big in the eighties. And then that's it. Mickey Gilly, unfortunately kind of never came back. The Gatlin brothers love them, but they never came back. John Conley to a degree never came back, which is one of the greatest voices ever. One of the greatest voices, they they had their time, but they never came back. But 90s, Tracy Lawrence is coming back. Would you have ever thought that in 2022, Tracy Lawrence would be opening for Jason Aldean? You'd probably think it'd be a, a kid like Hardy, or you'd think it'd be, you know, a band like, I don't know, an old Dominion would, would get that slot in the football stadiums opening for Aldean. But no, he's selecting Tracy Lawrence. So I think it's amazing that these 90 guys... 90s guys are coming back up through the ranks. I mean, these were guys who were getting paid $50,000 a night in their heyday, and now they're actually getting paid more. They're actually getting paid probably seventy-five dollars to $100,000 a night because 90s country is so strong. So we're just at the beginning of watching these guys come back. So, All right, I'm keeping you to I, that. I'm gonna I think we just got to be patient. I'm going to keep you to this, Brett Kissel. Yeah. I'm going to keep you to that because that's it's a, a, another great analogy by you, but – there is one other thing you just hold on you watch jody messina's rise come back she's going to do an epic 
comeback. Now, it doesn't mean that she was ever lost, but she was huge in the in the late 90s, early 2000s with I'm All Right and Heads Carolina and Bye, 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 My Baby, Bye. You just wait. Because of Cole Swindell's song right now, she's just going to get all these festival dates and she is going to come back. Watch it right now. She's, she's going to have a resurgence because of that song, because she's cool again. And I, I couldn't be happier for, for Jody Messina. I love her music. Love her. For, yeah. And I love her on stage performing too. Yeah. I think, I think that that time in country music and Garth good. I mean, Travis Tritt's still selling out every show. He was on the Brooks and yes. Gun tour. Now I think he's going on with, uh, he's going on with Jason Aldean too. He's on that card too. Uh, some dates with, with Tracy Lawrence, some with Travis Tritt, I believe, but I think it's great that guys like Cody Jinx get this huge following, you know, and cult following in Texas. And then I went to Austin in October, September last year and watched Travis Tritt open for Cody and the audience knew every single word. Right. Like yeah. it's awesome to see these young acts pay respect to the guys that trailblaze this path for them, because I guarantee you when Jinx was body, when he was bouncing at Billy Bob's, he probably saw Travis Tripp perform there and remember that he he knows he, he, they show him the respect. And I love that. I love what you're saying there. I love country music. I think Me country too. music is so traditional and it's so cultured and it's. It's just that music that you can grasp onto. Now, some people like the the DJ himself, Howard Stern, would say, well, country music sucks. Well, there's a lot of things that Howard Stern th- believes in that I think suck. But he's had guys on there like Stapleton. He had Marin Morris on there. Eh. And he also had um, Daryl Worley on there at one time during the 2000, you know, because of 9-11. Daryl Worley's country is heck. Um but what, when people say country music is uneducated, it's for rednecks, it's for hillbillies. No, it's not. This is life music. When you listen to words that are so vivid, and I'm not saying that every song coming out today is some of the best songwriting. And I'm going to ask you this and where I'm going with this, Brett Kissel, because I do like the, the, the way this conversation is, is shaping up, is that I believe in a, in a, in a legacy. I believe in, in longevity. I believe in a library or a catalog, if you will, of music that stands the test of time. Now, in 2002, I'll put on Don Williams and listen to every single word to every single song. I'll do the same with Waylon. I'll do the same with who you mentioned, John Conley, Earl Thomas Conley, George Jones. Jamie Johnson's catalog will stand the test of time. Yes. I don't know if I'm speaking out of tune here. I want your opinion. I don't know if a lot of the music coming out of Nashville in the last 15 years will be being listened to 40 years from now. Because when Merle Haggard put out That's the Way Love Goes or when him and Willie did Poncho and Lefty, I listened to it five times at the lake this weekend. Poncho and Lefty, Lefty he can't sing yeah. the blues all night long like he used. I listen to that. That stands the test of time. Now, I might be being an asshole again because, of you know, I said Nickelback. I, I brought up that part of the conversation. I don't know if these catalogs, a lot of them, are going to be being listened to 40 years from now. Agree or disagree? Um, Agree, but it's not their fault. And I'll tell you why. It's not for lack of talent, because if you actually take a deep dive into the songwriting ability of a new act, like a, a very established act today, but a new act like Dan and Shay, I think Shay Mooney is one of the best singers in the history of country music, in the history of our genre, in the history of, of any music, just a pure singer. Shay Mooney is one of the best singers ever, like as far as talent and ability. And Kim and Dan are extraordinary songwriters. It's not their fault 
that they are not going to have 40 songs like Don Williams. And, 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 and I can, these guys are friends, which is why I can, I can say this ab ab about them. It's not their fault that I believe where I'm sitting right now, they're probably not going to have 40 songs in this amazing catalog like Merle Haggard. And it's because the industry is different than it was back in the day. George Strait was able to have 60 number ones because he would release four singles every year. Every quarter, he'd have a new single that went number one and another single, another single. In the industry right now, it takes up to 60 weeks, so over an entire freaking year for a song to be released and then go number one. So you're not releasing all this content. So when Dan and Shay decided to, to hang them up and say, yeah, we're done, we're gonna retire, they probably never will, but if they decide, okay, we're, we're done, they will have probably in their lifetime, in their span, only released say 12 songs. So when you release 12 songs, unless you're a diehard fan, you don't know what their records were like. You didn't take a deep dive into their records. Whereas when George Strait would release a 10 song album, five of them would be singles. Does Fort Worth ever cross your mind? Nobody in his right mind would have left her. Am I blue? All my exes live in Texas and say, I don't know, uh, 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 whatever. It ain't cool to be crazy about you. Probably all came from the same record. Five singles, five number ones, one record. That's a deep catalog. Do you know why? Because that's the 80s. Don Williams would only release two singles, but he put out three records in one calendar year, three albums in a year. So because of that, you've got more content. And that's just what you did in the 70s and the 80s. And also in the 90s, you've got that catalog. So because of that, our industry has changed, which is why I do not believe we're creating legacy acts to a degree in this day and age, unless you outgrow it. Blake Shelton outgrew it. He's, he's bigger than this system. He's bigger than the game. Jason Aldean, Brad Paisley, he's bigger than the game right now. But anybody coming up through the ranks right now, I think it's going to be very, very difficult for them to have this legacy, like the acts like John, um, you know, uh, John Anderson had or George Jones had, because they kind of only get their 10 years and then that's it. Whereas George Jones had a lifetime. So Alan Jackson have, they've had a lifetime. So when you're talking about catalog and, and, and legacy and stuff like that, it's not, it's not old dominions fault. It's the fault of the industry. That's, that's the reason. Cause our industry is not letting old dominion release five songs in a calendar year. Like George Strait got a chance to. So, but if old dominion was around in the eighties, they'd be the best band of all time. Brett Kissel has a new podcast coming out himself. I'm going to produce it. It's going to be called The Educator with Brett Kissel. This man educates us on what's really going on in country music. 16th and 17th Avenue, Nashville, Tennessee. There's a great music scene in Texas. Unbelievable Huge. music on Sunset Boulevard in L.A. back in the day. New York, the CBGB and the Roxy at one time had a great rock scene, a punk scene. There's been so many different movie scenes around the world that if you just do a deep dive into them, you can go into hip hop in New York, Atlanta, Compton. I just did a podcast on how relevant the Compton rappers still are, Brett Kissel. If you look uh, at what, I, what Ice Cube's doing and what Snoop Dogg's doing and what Dre did with Beats and Jimmy Iovine and what happened, there's not another section of music that's probably more relevant. You mentioned Charles Barkley and Shaq. 
They're yeah. more relevant in today's society than Michael Jordan is just because, you know, Michael has stayed out of the public eye in a lot of ways. He does the, you know, the new NASCAR team and he has ownership, but these guys are on TV every day. Shaq has more endorsement deals than I think anybody in the history of endorsement ever has. My point is Brett Kissel, you're an educator. Thank you for the education day. We are going to come back with part two. I promise you that we are going to come back with part two because I have a lot more questions about what <clears throat> you just talked about the catalogs, the, the, the acts of Nashville today. What does it take to make a living in country music? Does it take a bunch of radio success anymore? I don't know because Whiskey Myers doesn't have any. Cody Jinx doesn't have any. You can make a living in the, and that's the goal is to make a living and to stay authentic, to stay culturally based, to understand where you came from and your roots in country music or any music genre because you mentioned Dan and Shay. And even though I don't know if I've ever seen Dan and Shay live, I bet you that he is one of the best. He's so classically trained, in my opinion, in the way that he sings. He might not be, but it sounds like he is. The guy could sing the phone book. My good friend, and he's probably a friend of yours, the sweetest man that I've ever met in all of celebrity, is Mr. Gary LaVox. For a lot of years, Rascal Flatts was said, Don't, that ain't country. Well, so was Vince Gill. And Vince Gill is a freaking genius on the guitar, on the writing, and on the delivery. There's a reason why Glenn Fry has asked him to come and be the other guy in the Eagles. I mean, Don Henley has since yeah, Mr. Don Glenn Henley, Fry yeah. passed. <clears throat> so I'm on a little bit of a rant here. I'm educating myself a little bit, and I want to keep being a sponge as Mr. Kissel talks. His new single, Ain't the Same, with the boy band, 98 Degrees. Look at the mixture there. Bringing boy band, bye-bye-bye, into country music. They were saying bye-bye. I think that was 98 degrees. Am I right? Close. Or is no, that, that was, that was, that was, that was in sync. See, yeah, I got to, I got to get educated <laughs> on boy bands, Brett, but I want to come back with part two on this. I want to talk about sure. publishing. I want to talk about owning your library and your catalog. I want to talk about performing and getting on stage and putting everything you have into this music. And then I want to talk about hunting and fishing and living off the land some more. This was a great conversation. my it, man. It was. Thank you. When, 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 I mean, Whenever you want to do another one, I mean, I'll just, I'll, I'll give you my number and then let's schedule it. I, I love my publicity team, but let's, let's cut out the middle folks. And you're like, Hey, I'm going to be talking about X, Y, Z, you know, this upcoming episode. Uh, can you hop on for 15 minutes? Cause I love this. This was so much fun to be able to talk about all these different topics. I think you and I are so aligned on so many di different things, but the reality is, is that for all of your listeners is that I'm only offering an opinion and just a perspective that's the most special thing about these conversations and realizing that you know what i'm just giving my two cents and as my grandfather likes to say you know opinions they're like assholes everybody's got one you know i'm like you're right grandpa bear so it's just my opinion i'm not saying this is right i'm not saying anything that i've said is even the way that it is it's just my own interpretation and my own reality but I love the platform and I love getting a chance to have a conversation with you. And uh, let's hope that uh, we get a chance to do some hunting and fishing very, very soon, because I'd love to do some waterfowl hunting uh, in the States. Uh, if I can, I've never, I've, I, I don't think I've ever shot anything in, uh, in America. I've only done my hunting up in Canada. So you've never you shot, a, up, you've never shot an American. <laughs> no, I've never, I've never let, let's go shoot American. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy no hey open invite i'll get your number we'll stay in touch we'll get on we'll, we'll keep having this you're a great mind i love the way you think the way you talk you're very well read you're, you're you you're thought out and i like that i appreciate that and i want people to understand that 
that a lot of times in these conversations, it's just freestyling, all right? It's just like Eminem at the end of 8 Mile, which is one of the greatest scenes in cinematic history, in my opinion. There's another Agreed. opinion, like, like an asshole. But I watch it to get fired up, just like I used to with Sylvester Stallone when he was mm-hmm. knocking out Clubber Lang or Yvonne Drago in Rocky IV. Yeah. Eminem gets me fired up. Marshall Mathers gets me fired up in that. But... I, I like the fact that we can freestyle. I don't do a whole bunch of research on my guests because I don't want to be that David Letterman style. Well, tell me about this one time when a pigeon hit your windshield because everybody read that story in the media. Everybody's heard that story. I want to know Brett Kissel from the inside out. What gets him to tick? I want to know really what you think about Nickelback. And one day, uh, I, maybe we could share a cocktail and listen to Nickelback yeah. together. Here's, well, here's if, if you want to get fired up, Burn It to the Ground is one of my favorite rock songs. Here comes a kick drum. I'm like, man, I just want to run through a brick wall and I just want to go play hockey and win the Stanley Cup with the Edmonton Oilers. Like, oh, I get fired up when I hear that song. We need to go to a hockey game together up in Canada sometime too. I want to do that. Absolutely. You want to talk? So this will be the perfect October, okay? If you come up to Canada, let's watch a hockey game in Edmonton. You'll fly to Edmonton. I'll pick you up. We'll go watch the Oilers play. We'll overnight. Then we'll go uh, to Buck Paradise and we'll go shoot some waterfowl. And uh, we'll have a few cocktails with uh, with Grant and we'll solve the problems. I'm in. The I'm in. And then, just, then I'll drive you back to the airport. Just get the border deal handled, please, because I'm in. I'll be there in a heartbeat. Sure. I'll call the prime minister and I'll say, get on it. There's, get on there's it. There's 192 countries in the world and 100, 188 of them don't have rules like you have. So yeah, let's stop go. It. Here's my last question for the Mr. The great Mr. Brett Kissel today. Remember, his new single is out right now with 98 degrees. It's called Ain't the Same. It's on all of your platforms. You got Pandora. You got Sirius XM. You got the highway on there. You got Spotify. You got Apple Music. You got YouTube. Find it. Support this act. He's a great human being. He's from Canada. Our brothers and sisters to the north. But I am going to start an argument here, and you don't have to answer today if you don't want to. This podcast is called This Life Ain't For Everybody. I got that word, those words put together in my mind in the year of 2008, my first time visiting Midtown Nashville, USA, at a little bar called Losers. It's written on a sign behind where the band sits in, in the pit at Losers. (laughs) And I understand that they put that on the the t-shirts at Losers. This Life Ain't For Everybody. And those words it's meant for coming up in the honky-tonks, that Nashville lifestyle, moving, having the cojones to move from Alberta, Canada to Nashville and try to make it on Broadway and Midtown and then the Gulch and at the Bluebird Cafe and at Third and Lindsay and at all the great iconic venues in Nashville. A lot of acts come there. A lot of people say, if you don't live in Nashville, you can't make it music. That's not true. A lot of people have proved that to be wrong, but this life ain't for everybody. It's about everything that everybody does in the world, whether it's Grant on his combine or Brett and his ranching operation, his new vodka, his wife might be a teacher. You might know a teacher or a soldier or a janitor. No matter what you do, put love and passion into it. Dreams don't work unless you do. Just because I named it This Life Ain't For Everybody, by no means am I trying to say that being a waterfowl hunter and getting up at four in the morning isn't for everybody. It takes a lot of hard work, I ain't going to lie, but a monkey can kill a duck if you're on them. I promise you. This Life Ain't For Everybody means that we're a melting pot. Let's respect each other. Let's respect each other's opinions. And I don't know if Brett Kissel is going to respect my opinion because This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast is brought to you by the best whiskey brand in the world, Tennessee's own Sour Mash Whiskey from Lynchburg, Tennessee, the one and only, the iconic Jack Daniels. Now, 
I've had Gibson's rarest. I've had the finest Gibbs, Gibson's finest, the 12. I've had the 18. I've had the 24. I've had Wiser's. Then there's this stuff called Crown Royal. Is Canadian whiskey even match up with what we got going down here in Tennessee and Kentucky, my man? You got to give me your opinion to end this talk. <clears throat> you're, hey, you're comparing apples to oranges here. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's literally like trying to say, hey, baseball is better than hockey. It's like trying to say, well, waterfowl hunting is way better than deer hunting. Or trying to say, hey, pop music is way better than country music and rock music is way better than classical. It's one of those things. I mean, if you are looking for one of the most storied brands and one of the most historic products um, to, to, to drink on planet Earth, look no further than Jack Daniels. I've been to Lynchburg, Tennessee many times. I've had, uh, you know, the top top shelf Jack Daniels, the Frank Sinatra edition to just a good old Jack and Coke at a hockey game. I mean, it's hard to beat Jack Daniels. But if you don't like Jack Daniels, I can't convince you of it. So it doesn't really matter. Whereas for me, if you want to talk the difference between Canadian whiskey and American whiskey, you've got sour mash, you've got some of the best bourbons in the world that obviously come, you know, from uh, from Kentucky. But if you want to talk about Canadian whiskey, I mean, look no further than my favorite is J.P. Weiser's Red Letter. You can't get it anymore. It's been discontinued, but it is it is uh, we're, we're going to drink some of that. I got a couple bottles that got some dust off on them in, in my cellar that I'm waiting for the right opportunity. So if you want something absolutely beautiful and you want a, a transcendent, uh, just a, an absolutely extraordinary experience, I'm going to transcend you to a, a whole new place. We're going to drink some JP Weiser's red letter, or if you want the best vodka in the world, look no further than juice vodka. I mean, yep, I'm going to get some of that. Say it, that's is, it mine. So, is it sold in the States? No, not yet, but it, it, it will be soon. We, uh, we just signed a, a really, really big deal this morning before the podcast uh, with the distributor Congratulations. in America. So Congratulations. if that happens, man, if, if that happens and it really comes together, I might be able to just quit country music and just, just be an entrepreneur and just sing for fun now, you know? Singing for fun at Buck Paradise with the guitar around the fire. I can't wait to yeah, hear Brent Kissel. He just said he's going to knock some dust off the bottle. That's why one of the greatest country music songwriters of all time, DLM, the, the great <clears throat> David Lee Murphy. To this day, when you hear that 90s riff, you can't help but get in a good mood. If you want to get in a good mood today and you're down on the news, you've been watching too much Fox News this morning, go listen to Dust on the Bottle. Or you got to listen to this man's new single, Ain't the Same, with 98 Degrees. Brett Kissel, thank you for being here. We're going to go out with the song today. Is that okay, Brett, if I go out with the new single? Absolutely. Ain't the Same, Brett Kissel in 98 Degrees. Thank you all so much for supporting our partners and sponsors. Brand new episodes of the Foul Life Television are getting ready to appear exclusively on the Outdoor Channel July 1st, 2022. I can't wait for you to see where we go. We're in 13 different states all around the world. Hopefully I can say that next year that we start off the new season in Canada. Brett Kissel is going to call call that man they call Trudeau, and he's going to tell him to open up the gates and the floodwaters for the Foul Life crew to get up to Canada and have some fun chasing, not Canadians, but Canada geese, mallard ducks, over the mojo spinning wing, in a pea field, or over a little farm cattle pond. I can't wait to get up there. Thank you, Jack Daniels. Thank you, Brett Kissel. This is Brett Kissel Ain't the Same with 98 Degrees. Thank you for listening to This Life Ain't for Everybody. The beach ain't the same without the sun. Coke ain't the same Everybody knows a kiss.
Tastes better in the moonlight And making love 